Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. When I think about the season that we're in, I'm reminded that um, Thanksgiving is the doorway to what is, for many of us, the most anxious time of year. Isn't, is that true for anyone else but just me? Do you, do you get to this point of the year and you think about Christmas being this wonderful time and all the holiday um, pomp and circumstance, but the truth is this season for many of us is actually filled with tons of dread and anxiety and all kinds of stuff. And I know this is true because on Friday, we had our Thanksgiving meal and as a family, we, everybody was home. Uh, my daughter and our grandbabies and grandma's home from school and I'm like, hey, let's go do something fun. Let's go do top golf, right? I'm a terrible golfer, but it seems like a, a good way to spend a couple hours. And uh, we had planned to go there in the evening. And a few hours before, I said, you know what we could do? We could stop by Woodfield on our way in. And so we got in the car and we drove. We, we drove in and we we're going to stop at Woodfield um, on Friday. We're going to stop at Woodfield on Friday. Now, this never registered in my brain what it was. It was Black Friday. And as I turned the corner into Woodfield, it was as if all of Chicago was there. Guys, there were a line of cars. And once I turned, I couldn't get out. You were pot committed. You had to go. There were people parked in, it was insane. We went inside the mall. It was insane. We came back out. We waited to get out of the parking lot for 20 minutes, 20 minutes. And again, I was reminded, this is the beginning of the most anxious time of the year. Black Friday is like the beginning of all that will come in the next bit, like anxiousness and uh, buying things and consumerism and all that kind of goes with holiday parties. The truth is for some of us, we can't wait for Christmas to be over, right? It's like, I can't wait for it to be over. I can't wait to go back to normal. But, it, but if, if we're really honest with ourselves, while this is true of the Christmas season, what is actually true of the human condition, I think it's true of us as Americans for sure. I read this in our article that we as people worry this like sense of general sense of anxiety has become a national pastime. We're really good at it. I don't know if you anything like me, but there are seasons, have been seasons recently that had nothing to do with Christmas where I wake up with a general sense of what's wrong today? Like worry and anxiety. And, and I remember that there was a time in my life when I really believed that if only I had a few more things, I wouldn't be so anxious, right? You remember, you remember like when you got your very first job and you got your very first paycheck, like you get out of college and you think, when I get that very first paycheck, everything's gonna be fine, we'll be fine. And then you spend the paycheck and you realize like, okay, I need another number on that paycheck to be fine, and, and you get that another number, and, and you, you seem to worry a little bit more. And you think, well, if I only had a house, then I, I would be fine. If I paid for my car, everything would be fine. You, you, you start to think, someday I'm gonna be worry-free if I get enough stuff and have enough things. And yet, 
We just worry. We're a worried-filled bunch. And I believe that worry is one of the poisons of the human soul. There are a few of them, but I honestly believe with everything in me that worry is poison to who God made us to be. Now, I wanna say some things about today's message because I'm gonna talk about worry and anxiety. I wanna talk about it for real. And I wanna say a few things right up front. Number one, look, some of us suffer clinically from anxiety. And the truth is, like, each of us respond to life differently. We're wired differently. In fact, there is a, this thing called GABA. It's a, it's a, uh, 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 I'm gonna try to pronounce it for you. Um, it is gamma amino bitruic acid that each of us has certain levels and based on those levels is how we respond to stress. So some of us, we can respond to stress, no problem, no big deal. Others of us, we respond to stress and it, it, it's ugly, right? I just wanna say we're all different and we all respond to worry differently. So just because I'm cool in the situation doesn't mean you are. Second thing I wanna say about this before we dive into what the Bible has to say. As part of your healing journey with anxiety and worry, you might need to seek a counselor, a Christian therapist. Medicine might be part of your healing journey and in this house there is no shame for you beginning to heal and move past your traumas, your past, the stuff that's happened back here. So I wanna say, uh, today's message isn't to trivialize um, anxiety or, or to be sort of like, um, I don't know, overly optimistic that it, you can fix it simply, but I do believe the Bible does have something to say about worry and anxiety. How we walk out our faith. So with that, I wanna to point to two specific verses because I think they tell us something about how it is we are to exist in a world filled with worry. I love in Acts chapter nine, you know, we've been studying Acts. We've been asking, how do we then walk this out as a community? And in Acts chapter nine, there's an, an interesting verse that really stood out to me. It said, so the church through, throughout all of Judea, Galilee, Samaria, had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. In other words, in the midst of all of it, building a church, this community that was under some oppression, this community that was being formed, there was a sense of peace in the middle of all of that. That, that our peace isn't circumstantial. In other words, you don't have to have the right things going on perfectly in order to find peace. In the midst of all of it, you can be centered in peace. And Jesus says something. So it's not surprising that his disciples, those first disciples, would be in the middle of building this grand experiment of the church, God's plan, and find peace because Jesus says it this way. In Matthew chapter six, he says, so I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you'll have enough food or drink or clothes, doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't 
need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly father feeds them and you're far more valuable to him than they are. Can all of your worries, now listen to this, can all of your worries, let me say it again, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And Jesus says, of course not. All of your worries, they can't add a a single moment to your life. Now, I know on the surface we hear these things and we say, yeah, but that's not how it really works. He's not really talking to me. He doesn't understand the stress that I have. And you have to understand in the context of who Jesus was preaching to because Jesus does understand your context. You know, whenever he preached this, when he said these words, he was in a group like this, and you know who he was talking to. When he said, don't worry about food and clothing, he was talking to people who were desperately poor. I mean, his people were some of the poorest on the planet. So they struggled with food and clothes. The people he was talking to in that moment didn't live long, they're The average age was somewhere in their 30s. So the idea of trying to make it through life when Jesus said, don't worry about these things, this is who he's talking to. He's talking to a people who had been oppressed by a Roman government. So no, no, he did get it. And it's precisely to them that he says, isn't life more than food and clothes? It's interesting when you think about all the things that we worry about. If you're honest about all that you worry about, the things that keep you up at night, my guess is you fall into one of a few categories because scientifically it is true that we all do, that our worries actually fall into very specific categories. There was a study that was done just recently and the study said this, did you know? that 40% of what most people worry about is things that will never happen. Think about it. You ever lost some sleep over what might happen? I I was, it was probably um, maybe 10 years ago, Harry was five years old, and we went to Disney for the very first time, which that's a whole nother story of anxiety, right? Um, But, he was just tall enough to ride the, 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 the really great roller coaster that, that was there. And, and it, it was like, here was the line and his head was just above it. But there was this like general sense of trepidation with Harry because, you know, he's a little guy. And I'm dad going, hey, hey, listen, this is gonna be a blast. Let's go get on this ride together. And, and so Harry was like, okay, I'll go with you, dad. But, but it was interesting as we stood in line and was snaking toward um, the... The, this massive obstacle for him, right? This scary moment. He would almost take like two steps forward and one step back because the weight was painful. He, he kept looking up and he would be like, Dad, that, that's, a, that's a really big roller coaster. I'm like, bud, bud, it's gonna be fine. People ride it all the time. It's no big deal. We would get closer and you could feel his anxiety rise, right? Because he knows he's starting to hear the roller coaster. 
Then we get really close and he can hear the clicking sound. And he sees people getting into the roller coaster and they're being strapped on. And I'm like, bud, it's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. And, and so we walked up and I could tell he was really nervous. We sat in the roller coaster and the thing comes down over the top and locks us in. And I'm like, buddy, listen, this is gonna be so much fun. It's gonna be so great. And um, this is one of those roller coasters that it kind of goes around the corner and it stops and then it shoots to like 152 miles an hour, right? And so he's sitting next to me and, and he looked at me and he's like, dad, this is gonna be fun, right? I'm like, oh yeah, buddy, this is gonna be really fun. And at that moment, that roller coaster went and took off. And I'm not kidding. At the moment it took off, Harry went limp. And I look over at the kid and he's completely ragdoll limp. As it goes into the loop-to-loop, his hands are flopping. His head's flopping around. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he passed out. What have I done to my child? I can tell he's not passed out, but I'm not sure what's happening. Is he gonna throw up? Because he's literally, for the whole roller coaster, as it's jerking him around, his eyes are closed. He's just being flopped back and forth like this. I'm thinking, buddy, oh no. And so inside, I'm like, what have I done? I've convinced my child that it was gonna be okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. And it comes to a halt and he's just dead. He looks dead. He's sitting there. The thing comes up and I think, you know, what's gonna happen? Is he gonna hurl? Is is he gonna throw up? Is he gonna pass out? I kind of help him up over the side and he just is, he's walking like this over to the trash can. I'm like, oh no, here we go. He turns around. I get down on one knee and I'm like, buddy, I'm I'm so sorry. I thought this was gonna be fun. Doesn't look like it was very fun. (laughs) He opened his eyes and he goes, Dad, can we do it again? (laughs) And you know, it's funny because I think about so much of what I worry about is looks like that roller coaster and what's so true about so much of our life is we spend so much time worrying about what it's gonna feel like when I go in and have to have the conversation with the boss or when I go in and I have to have that moment with a coworker or this conversation with my spouse or my child and it works us up, right? You get worked up because you're like, I don't know how it's gonna end. I don't know what it's gonna feel like. And as we get closer, we get more and more worked up and what is true is that Oftentimes we get through those moments and it isn't as bad as we thought. And yet we gave hours and days to a five-minute thing. A five-minute thing or a one-hour thing. And it consumes us for days and hours and we wrestle and it gives us a pit in our stomach. 40% of the things we worry about will never happen. This Jesus says, look, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't stop. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. He says, tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today is trouble enough. (laughs) Don't worry about tomorrow. It's it's funny because 40% of what most Americans worry about are things that will never happen. 30, then there's another 30%. We worry about Things we can't change. Anybody, anybody do some of that? Where that mistake you made, that thing from the past, you can't seem to rectify these patterns, that these, these moments from the past, they, they just eat you up? You wake up and they eat you up. Why'd I say that? 
Why did I do that? And it was five years ago. But either way, if it was five years or five weeks or whatever, so much of what we worry about are these things way back here we can't change. And yet, they keep us up and they eat our lunch. So 70% of the things that most Americans worry about, 40% things that will never happen, 30% things that can't be changed, and 12% about what other people think about us. What's Jerry going to think? What's Judy going to think? What are they going to think about when my kids do this thing where my house doesn't look, well, I don't mow my lawn right. I don't know. Coworkers, people, we worry about all these things. And then 10% is about our health. So did you know what research tells you is there's only 8%, 8%, 92% of the things that you and I worry about fall in a category that we can't even control. Only 8% are actual problems we will face. Does that not sound like deception to you? When 92% of the things that keep you up, you can't control, they might not be real, it's what other people think. It feels like deception to me. Now, before you're too hard on yourself, know this. The way that your mind works lends itself to spiral thinking. You ever got yourself in a spiral where one thing started happening and then you're just thinking in circles? Well, did you know that every single thought that enters your mind, it's charged? It's either positively charged or negatively charged. Now, John Orberg, who I just absolutely admire, talks about this, that our minds, the, our thoughts, they either spiral us upward or they spiral us downward. There is no neutral thought. They take us in a direction and they thought stack. When you begin to have a thought, triggered thought, an Instagram moment, you see a thing or a deal and it, it starts to go like this and it starts to do, 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 do. This is why the Apostle Paul spends so much time talking about taking captive those individual thoughts. He speaks to us directly because he knows what now research science tells us that when we are alone, when we're not distracted by noise or activity, our minds naturally, if we don't tend to them, our minds naturally drift toward discontentment, anger, a sense of inadequacy, anxiety for the future. When we're alone, when we're not distracted, this is where our minds go. This is why the apostle Paul puts the earnest on us to do the work. There is no neutral thought. There is no zone out thought. If we don't take captive our thoughts and spiral them upward, they will spiral us downward on their own. In Philippians 4, 6, we put this verse up every single week. 
But Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Now listen, this is a qualified statement. It's not just a blanket statement. He's saying, if you do, in other words, there is an if you don't. If you do, look what he says. You will experience God's peace. If you don't, you won't. His peace is in this process. Now remember, the Apostle Paul wrote this at the epitome of the worst time of his whole life. He was in a prison, a dark dungeon that had barely a light through it. And it is in this place that he understood, if I allow myself to just be here and I do not take captive my thoughts and I do not understand who I am in Christ, if I don't conform them to who he says I am, I will spiral to a place I cannot get out of and it'll be worse than the prison I am in. He said, fix your mind on thoughts that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think on these things, he says. Think on these things. It's interesting because we, we spent the last year in two books, Luke and Acts as a community because it really is important that we begin to understand what this word says about us. This isn't just like, I don't know, reading for when you're bored. You know, it's not just like, well, I got nothing else to do. I guess I'll pull out the Bible. This is foundational for breaking the cycle of deception that is worry. Because it is in the pages of this book that you find what is true about you, who you really are, thoughts of God has about you and for you. This book, this book. And yet what, what most of us do, and this isn't to bring shame on us, we don't spend time in this book, we spend time in this thing, right? I mean, it's too often the first thing that most of us reach for in the morning. Look, we all do it. It sits right there in the same place on everybody's right by your bed. And you pick it up and you're like, I wonder what's going on today. And we start scrolling through. I wonder what's happening on Instagram. Oh, there we go. Wonder what's happening in the news. Let me just tell you, bad. It's bad. And that's how we start our whole day. And then you... Why am I surprised that I get up a bit anxious when the first thing I do is pick up this thing and just start scrolling through it? And then when I get bored and I don't want to distract myself, I just sort of go, I wonder what I could go scroll. Oh, cool. I can watch them. It always starts. It always starts with me. Listen, I like watching them build that crazy, like those building things where they put things together on Instagram. It always starts there innocently. I like to watch them build stuff. But then I end up in all these other dark holes, right? Because then you're like, oh, I wonder what Jerry's doing. Jeez, Jerry's life's awfully good. Man, my life stinks, right? It doesn't, it doesn't go there that fast, but it's just, we, we get in these cycles, right? And, and it's funny because for most of us, this lies closer to our mind, not metaphorically, but physically than this thing. 
What would happen if this laid on the bedside? I mean, seriously, crazy thought. What would happen if this laid right on the bedside? And what would happen if in the first thing in the morning, you were to get up and just a few words about what God says to me? Does that not sound like what the Apostle Paul's talking about? That these things are pure and good and admirable. These things are true about you. They're true about you. The things in here that says you can do, you can do, because he said you can. This is the truth about us. And I think the evil one has figured it out, man. Man, I'm not saying that iPads and phones are, you know, like made by the devil. I'm not saying that at all. Feels like it sometimes, but it was a joke, Steve, you know, but sometimes it does. But, it, but it's true that this thing that we spend so much time in can't do what this thing we spend so little time in can do for us. Look, look what the Apostle Paul said. He said, we use powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies and tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought, right? Every thought that's just like spinning around in our brain, causing us so much anxiety and sleeplessness. He goes, we fit all those. We fit it. Every emotion where I'm absolutely worked up, all of it, the impulses into the structure shaped by Christ. The structure of life shaped by Christ. This is taking captive every thought. Learning how to help our mind spiral upward. And here's what's neat. Here's what's neat. When we begin to spiral upward, we, we, we will thought stack upward. It'll happen. Uh, guaranteed. It's the way your brain works. The more we live in a spiral, space of gratitude, the more we live in a space of knowing who, what God says is true about us, the more we live in this space, the more those spiral upward. And the more those spiral upward, the more peace comes into our life, and the more peace and joy begin to come in our life, the more healing that begins to happen. It does. It does. And it's just a choice. But I will tell you, that the harder choice is to spiral upward because it takes work. It just takes work. One of the things we talk about around here is one of the directions we're headed as a church is inward. This idea that we do our work. Listen, if you don't do the work and you just let it go, I can tell you it will spiral downward. That's the natural tendency of the human brain. But when we do do our work, when we are consistent in his word, we're consistently applying this to our mind. We begin to see what actually is true. You know, here's, here's what I believe about the evil one. He can't do very much to you, so he just uses all these head fakes and deceptions to keep you distracted. 92% of the time, you're distracted with things that do not matter, that will not happen. Living in this moment, learning how to be alive in this moment starts with understanding what that book says about me and what it says about you. But it takes work. 1 John 3 says, look, living in God's reality, when we live in his reality, not 
not the metaverse, not the Instagram verse, not the Facebook verse, when we live in his reality. Listen to what, listen to what it says. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism. That sounds good, doesn't it? You're tired, tired of the, of the thoughts you have about yourself and the mistakes you've made. He says, this shuts down debilitating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. This season will be busy and filled with all the things that it's filled with. And I love that the Apostle Paul points out that sometimes our self-criticism and our loathing and some of the stuff we're feeling, there might be something to it. Some place we've been that we shouldn't have, some things we've done that we wished we wouldn't have. But he says, even when there's something to it, even when we deserve it, his reality is greater than all of those things. So here is For City Church, your great Christmas challenge. For the next couple weeks, keep your phone where you keep it, it's fine. Not by business. But if you don't have one of these, we wanna get you one. Just lay it on the stand right next to you. I mean, what would it look like if you started your day anywhere in here? I mean, go to Luke. Or you can read Luke 1 and 2 and 3 because this is the story we're gonna walk through, right? But this is Advent, this is Christmas. Maybe reread Acts and all the stories about the church. I don't know where you start, but I do know this, that if you start, you begin to shape your mind and put it into, as the Apostle Paul says, like a Christ-shaped space. Your anxiety levels, your worry levels will change. Peace and worry cannot coexist. And as his peace comes in, it pushes out those things. And will you have to work on it? Absolutely, every day, because you're human. You will not solve this by doing it once. You won't solve it by doing it twice. You won't solve it in a week or a month. But if you consistently get in this rhythm and this pattern, what I will tell you is you'll begin, one day you'll wake up and go, what is that feeling I have? Oh my gosh, it's peace. It's not worry. Will you stand with me? In this season, I pray, I pray that you'll lay a Bible by your bedside. I pray that you'll do your work and you'll begin your day by asking what does this say about me before anything else. I pray that you'll take captive every single thought, even if those thoughts have some truth and you begin to see who God sees you to be. Let me pray a blessing, God. I pray for my friends as we walk into this season celebrating your coming. 
And we hold to this truth that even in the midst of building the life that you've given us to build, that we can have peace because you promised it to us in your word. Now may we go and do as the Apostle Paul, as Jesus has asked us to do, to not worry about anything. Instead, let you have it all. Pray these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen, amen. Appreciate you all. Have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye.